Hello, friends. This is episode 100 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff. I'm a pastor and an author, and I've been the host of this podcast for now 100 episodes. We've been doing this for a few years on and off. And uh, finally reached this milestone. So I'm really excited about this. And it's a really appropriate uh, uh, topic for today, because uh, today we're talking all about rest. So <laughs> racing to 100 episodes and putting them out there. And then uh, and then talking about rest is really important, it seems. Um, I My guest today is Kate Rademacher, who has a new book out, which we talk a bunch about. It's actually releasing this week, if you're listening to this uh, in real time. So uh, her, her release date was June 22nd, uh, 2021. And it was just a thrill to be able to get an advanced copy of this book and uh, to talk to Kate about it. Uh, it's called Reclaiming Rest. And uh, this is actually one of the best books that I've read on Sabbath. It's super accessible. Really, anybody could benefit by reading this book. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think this conversation is so rich. And I just really enjoyed talking to Kate uh, about Sabbath and and kind of like, you know, why we have so much trouble with it. Um, and also kind of as we're uh, have been living through this uh, pandemic in 2020 and 2021, how it feels like we should have had more downtime, and yet lots of people also just feel exhausted and why that is. So we talk a little bit about that, about there's a difference between um, racing around and being super busy and feeling like, oh, I never have time to rest versus suddenly having lots of time and that not necessarily feeling like rejuvenating or restful time uh, and what it might mean to reclaim a Sabbath practice uh, and and why that's often so difficult for us to reclaim Sabbath practices. Uh, some of the things that, that Kate really wanted or longed for in, uh, in being part of a Christian community uh, and how that uh, how her, some of her disappointment led to her working even harder to try to find uh, a better rhythm of life between, um, you know, having times of work and rest uh, embedded in that life. So yeah, I, I think you're going to love this conversation. And I hope you go and check out Kate's book as well. I'll remind you about my own uh, book that I'm trying to uh, let people know about. And so if that's something you want to check out, it's called Let God Send. And you can just go to letgodsend.com and you can find all about that book there. Um, and yeah, this has been so much fun to work on this podcast and uh, uh, to get to 100 episodes. I know I've taken breaks throughout, um, but it's really great to kind of reflect back on um, the time spent. Uh, the thing that I've appreciated the most, and I don't know if you're a regular listener, if you've appreciated this, but it's just been so great to talk to so many different people about things that they're passionate about. And, you know, sometimes the the topic is kind of squarely focused on an, an issue around Christian spirituality, which is really the focus of the podcast, um, and really trying to demystify it a little bit, um, and sometimes maybe remystify Christian spirituality, uh, or at least myself learning a little more about that. Um, but the biggest thing is just, you know, there are people who are passionately writing or speaking about uh, topics like rest and Sabbath, um, such as Kate, 
um, or, you know, last episode, getting to talk to Steph O'Brien about, about, uh, her work on make a move, um, and, uh, and just having an opportunity to talk about some of my own work and hope that these conversations connect with you. It's, I've really appreciated you as listeners. So thank you so much for listening in over these hundred episodes. And, uh, if you're looking for the old episodes, I think you can still just find them by going to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com. And there's a podcast player there where you can just scroll back and see uh, a whole bunch of the episodes going back. I don't know if it goes back to right to the beginning, um, but uh, but you can go back and listen to old episodes there uh, and scroll through, see what topics were covered. But yeah, I really appreciate you listening today, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kate Rademacher. Well, first of all, just thank you so much, Matt, for having me I'm sure. back. I had a great time talking with you the last time I was here, and it's it's great to be here. So again, I'm Kate Rademacher. Um, the title of my book that yeah that you mentioned is called Reclaiming Rest: The Promise of Sabbath, Solitude, and Stillness in a Restless World, and um, it's coming out with Broadleaf Books in June of 2021. So really exciting. And um, yeah, so it's really, you know, the the book is largely about my exploration of Sabbath keeping in a couple of different ways. And as we talked about on the last time I was here, I'm a I'm a pretty recent um, Christian convert. I was um, baptized and confirmed in the Episcopal Church in 2012. And so there's a whole backstory, which I can tell you, tell you about. Um, but really, it's about sort of my exploration of Sabbath keeping as a, as a fairly new Christian and sort of what my disappointments and challenges and gifts and learnings um, were in that journey. And um, as part of that, I talk also about um, a cadence of rest on a daily basis, kind of a weekly basis, a, m- a monthly basis, and then and then sort of you know kind of in a bigger in a bigger sense. So, you know, I think a lot of us are tired. <laughs> I know we were talking about that just before you pressed, you know, before we started recording. Is you know, we're a lot of us are really busy in our in our day jobs and with our families, and so um, I'm hoping this topic will will resonate and be timely for a lot of people. Yeah, I think too. Uh, we didn't. I sent you a few questions in advance, but of course, I automatically start thinking of ones I didn't send you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking as well. You actually do mention uh, the pandemic in your book a few times as well, because I know it was written, it kind of wrapped up while we were in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and I've heard like several people talk about like downtime during the pandemic, but my sense is, is that people, even people who maybe lost their jobs and did find that they had more time on their hands, that it wasn't like, this is not a restful season. Right. Right. Um, so I wonder if you just have thoughts kind of initially about that. It's the time we find ourselves in, or maybe in certain places, we're just coming out of that, the the pandemic time or, and we're able to see one another a little more, we might be a bit more hopeful, but also just have this sort of exhaustion <laughs> feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It was really sort of a wild ride to be writing this book during the pandemic. So I actually signed a contract with Broadleaf before COVID hit. And so I was about halfway through writing the book when the pandemic began. So it was just, it was just sort of, mind-blowing to be having to, you know, all of us just the whiplash of what March 2020 was like and and the changes. And um, 
you know, plus then to be in the middle of writing a book about rest. And actually the original title, subtitle of the book was um, referred to the nonstop world. And so I talked to my editor Mm -hmm. and I said, but the world has really stopped. You know, we're not traveling. Restaurants are closed. Stores are closed. Like we can't see our friends. You know, our churches are often closed. Like our world is not nonstop. So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to change the subtitle to restless because I think you know, that sort of also speaks to kind of the spiritual and emotional and psychological restlessness that we, you know, that is often always so endemic in our lives, no matter what. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the pandemic has been a time of fatigue and, you know, certainly for working families, for, for, um, you know, there's a lot of literature about how um, families have been impacted, how women in particular have been impacted um, in the pandemic but also just the grief and a lot of the fear. So many of us have faced loss. So I think, yeah, I think that these topics of how do we truly rest, you know, not just do kind of like self-care strategies, which I think a lot of what um, people talk about in the sort of world, you know, what does this, what is the spiritual life? And in particular, what does the Christian message offer in terms of like how we can truly rest and truly be restored? Um, So that's a lot of what I explore in the book. Sure. Let's so let's try to come back to that. But why don't we back up to um, when did you first learn about Sabbath and what was your experience in in first learning about Sabbath? Because as you said, you're a relatively new uh, baptized believer, <laughs> um, and uh, and so you have a you have a good memory of uh, of first even learning about Sabbath as a concept and sort of what your experience was. Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. So actually, I've, I've kind of approached Sabbath two ways. So I have a busy career in actually international public health. So another kind of connection to the sort of the thinking about, you know, what we're all going through as we become more aware of public health. So I really um, lived and observed a lot of colleagues and friends, just again, the level of sort of chronic stress and overwhelm that, that so many people experience. So I think I was even before I ended up um, sort of finding myself on a path that led ultimately to my to baptism and, and becoming a Christian, I was really interested in the topic of, um, of rest. And I had a, I have a history of clinical anxiety when I was in high school and college. And I think what really kind of um, hits or sits with me really heavily is that I have a daughter now who is the same age that Mm. I was when I first started having um, clinical anxiety. And so I think ever since that time, ever since I was a young teenager and a young woman coming out of college, I was just really struck with like, how do we live differently? How do we, how do I address the root causes of my own anxiety and, um, and stress and overwhelm and how do I live differently? And so that's been a kind of question that has informed my entire life since, since I left college um, and has manifested in a lot of ways. But one of them was that I was exposed to Sabbath keeping um, about 10 years ago. And uh, a friend of mine, I was actually taking a workshop and um, a, a, a minister gave me a copy of um, Wayne Mueller's book, Sabbath. Um, and 
I was totally inspired. And it was just this light bulb moment, Matt. And again, as a person of faith and who has, you know, as a cradle Christian, I think you, I, I think I remember you are, you know, this is no, nothing new to you. But like, for me, it was just like, oh, this makes so much sense. It was like a light bulb moment. And also what I love about what he wrote, writes about and others write about is that like creation was not complete until the Sabbath that God did not complete creation until God rested. And that was just like, it was just this wake up moment for me, which is like, it's not like rest or Sabbath is an add on. It's like, it's part of creation. It's, it's, it's embedded in um, the way God made us. And so then I started, so then I, again, it was this light bulb moment. I started having my own Sabbath observance, but I still wasn't doing it in the context of community. So then I, when I was baptized, I was really excited <laughs> to join a Christian community and sort of start be observing Sabbath with others and have more guidance about when and how. And, um, and then, as you know, because I know we've talked about this before, I was uh, disappointed because and surprised, honestly, because I realized na- I was naive that, you know, many Christians today are no longer observing the Sabbath. And so I was I just sort of laugh at myself now because I was like this eager beaver. I showed up, you know, I'm freshly, the water is still wet on me, my baptized shoulders. And I was like, let's all do Sabbath together. And, and people just weren't, weren't doing it. You know, people were praying, people were studying, people were doing, you know, Bible studying and love the Eucharist and everybody was doing confession and we were doing Lent and, you know, but we weren't doing Sabbath. And I was like, I just didn't get it. So that's a lot of what motivated my, exploration on this topic, that sort of initial grief and disappointment, um, kind of spurred me on. And, um, so that honestly, like in some ways I feel like that was, (laughs) you know, some, like the, the sort of surprising level of disappointment and grief I felt about that almost in retrospect feels like itself was a gift of the Holy spirit, because I think it propelled me to to search and to say, no, I, I, I need this. And so now after reading, like researching and writing this book, it's helped me deepen my own commitment to Sabbath and my own Sabbath practice, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, what, I, you know what, I should have said this right off the hop. Everybody should read your book. It's really, really good. Um, I'm <laughs> almost done reading it because uh, I got a, an advanced uh, copy, which I was thankful for. And um but didn't quite get to the end of it by the time of this interview. But I am going to finish it because it's fantastic. Um, it's really, really well written. Like the writing is excellent too. Um, and it's pretty, and it, what I like about it is it's super accessible too. Like some of the stories are really, really great. Um, what I, I want to know, like what within you um, was feeling like you needed needed community I because I kind of feel like um so many people like whether they have like and this goes with any kind of spiritual practice or really I guess anything is we kind of live these individual lives or maybe just our kind of nuclear isolated family lives um and we don't always necessarily seek that out that seemed to be something that was really important to you is there something that you identified in yourself that was why that was important as especially around Sabbath, why, why you were so excited and then disappointed. <laughs> we yeah. apologize on behalf of the Christian community for not doing a great job of practicing Sabbath. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And it's, it's really, it's really um, gets at the heart of the matter. I mean, I think, honestly, and, and I know, you know, Dana Trent, who's, who yeah. um, 
is a, is a writer and she's written a book also on Sabbath um, mm-hmm. for Sabbath sake. I mean, I think, and she writes about this too, and I really deeply feel this. I think it's, it's, it, for me, it's about permission. Um, I think I, like many others have kind of worker workaholism tendencies, which are then sort of encouraged and exacerbated by other people around me who have workaholic tendencies. And so there isn't, there just isn't a culture that in my workplace of clear understanding of when and how to set boundaries. I think we're all struggling with it. Right. And then we are also, you know, in the past two decades or so living in this world of the, you know, exponential explosion of social media and cell phones. And I mean, just think about it again, when I 20 years ago was in college, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. Like, it's just hard to remember that. Right. And so um, we're all kind of like our lives are the way we live in the world is changing so radically and so rapidly. And so there just isn't permission or there isn't guidelines. There isn't help. Um, You know, we often think about this, but there isn't that sort of like, institutionalized um, help. And, you know, in some of the literature they talk about in in workplace, the sort of um, structural disengagement strategies. That's how they talk about it in the workplace, structural disengagement strategies. So that could be like, you know, a, a company that says we're not, you know, people aren't allowed to check emails, you know, email at night or, you know, some countries like France have explored things like that, or, you know, you can't do email on vacations and they put guidance in there. So, but like the church has this and, and, and the Judeo-Christian tradition has this quote unquote structural engage, disengagement strategy baked into, um, baked into, you know, both the theology and practice in Judaism and Christianity. And so I just feel like there's this huge missed opportunity if yeah. we don't embrace that. And I, I guess I would put the question back on, on you, Matt, and on others, which is like, why has this gift from God and this mandate from God been sort of lost? Um, why do, why are people sort of like, um, lukewarm about the idea? And I, you know, I, I've thought a lot about that. So I have some of my own thoughts, but I'm curious what, what you think about it as well. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking like, um, we also all know that we need rest like we we all know that we need it and yet we still don't take it um so that's that's good um but it's kind of the same way that i know um that i shouldn't eat chips <laughs> but i still do right like um but so so yeah like i think um i wouldn't say that i have a good regular sabbath practice um but but i actually found in there was a section of your book that I found really encouraging um, to help me to realize, uh, actually, maybe I'm doing a better job than I think I am. Um, so that was actually good. Uh, it was it was the section at uh, near the end um, where it talked about the Coptic uh, mm. the Coptic Church, and um, there was a quote that you had. I should have pulled it out. Um, maybe you maybe you know which one I'm talking about. Um, but it was basically giving permission for two days off, not just one, (laughs) you know, it was basically the Coptic, the ancient Coptic church was observing, um, the, the, the Jewish Sabbath, like the, the, uh, Saturday and, and encouraging also the celebration of the Lord's day as, as a day, 
so there, you've got your day of rest on your Saturday, and then you've got the celebration of the Lord's Day, which is sort of like quasi-rest, but not quite, is, yeah. is the way I was reading it. And that actually made me feel really great, because as a pastor, Sunday doesn't feel super restful for me a lot of the time. Um, but there's something, there's still something different about it, even though I'm quote-unquote working, there's still something set apart for that day for me uh, and for my family. Uh and then often Saturdays, there might be a little bit of work that I'm taking care of, but I've gotten better and better at at not at at, at not doing that on Saturdays. So unless there's some like specific like scheduled meeting that has to happen that day, I tend to not be doing much work that day, um, or most of the day will be be pretty off and be spent with my wife and my daughter and maybe other family members or friends. Um, and it just made me, I don't know, that section just made me feel like, oh, maybe I actually do have community, but it's not around the Lord's Day. Like, maybe my wife is my community where we actually mm-hmm. are spending restful time together. Yeah. Um, and so it, it just made me look at that a little more more closely, which I appreciated. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that's really been sort of, for to use a sort of cheesy phrase, a game changer for me as well. Um, because I think Sunday is also a day that a lot of us start to feel that like, sort of apprehension and, and, you know, in sort of a nervous, but almost sometimes a, a pleasant or, but often anxious kind of anticipation for the week ahead. And also in my yeah. own job, it's the time when sort of people start to start, you know, checking their email Sunday afternoon or evening. So it's really hard to, from a, there's a practical level, but then there's also this theological level, which I think is really interesting. And so the, the Coptic church that you mentioned, again, sort of recognizing the, um, the Sabbath day, and then the Lord's Day as two distinct things. And I think what we we see that actually in Holy Week too, right? Like we often, we, we spend a lot of time and energy talking about what's happening on Good Friday. And then we spend a lot of time and energy talking about what's happening on Easter. But what I really became intrigued by as I was researching writing this book is what's happening on Holy Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like that was the Jewish Sabbath. And Jesus, I mean, both practically was you know, the, the women who were like there to anoint him didn't do it on Holy Saturday because it was the Sabbath and he was, you know, resting in the tomb, which has a lot of theological meaning, of course. So like why, and, and I think that it also sort of captures like that we are sort of like as a people or we're, we kind of know that Easter has happened, but we're also living in this kind of between times. Um, so I'm just, I really am intrigued by the, the theology of Holy Saturday. And I think that it's, I think it kind of, you know, as we think about Christians talk about that, that each week we, we celebrate a little Easter, you know, we celebrate the Lord's day each week. Um, And so, and that makes total sense to me. I love that. So then why are we not also sort of celebrating that kind of resting time? Um, And I think that duality also captures exactly what you're saying, because if we rest and we have that day of Sabbath, and then we enter into the Lord's day, you know, and then I think, because also our work is joyful, like that was something that really came to me in the writing and the researching. It's like work is good, you know, work is not, people were, if you, you know, look back at Genesis, it's like we had work before the fall. So our work Mm -hmm. is good. So then like, if we are, celebrating the Lord's day on Sunday. And if we, and what I try to do then is if I start to re-enter my work rhythm on Sunday afternoon, I can do it. What I, what I call what, what I got from one of the, the writers that I was 
researching was a resurrection mindset. You know, so how can we sort of start to enter our work week with a resurrection mindset? Um, and whether that means doing laundry or grocery shopping or checking work email or whatever, how can we be re-entering work with a different, yeah, with changed, you know, how can we be changed? So I think that has been really helpful and transformative to me as well. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. And actually you're really like, even just talking about this now, I hadn't really thought about this before. I know like I've for a long time, the, my preference is to try to take Friday off. Like lots of ministers will take like Monday or Friday sometimes as a, as a day off. But again, I've been trying to give time to Saturday because my daughter's in school on, on Friday. So, um, but, but I was still taking Friday off. And so often what I would do is I would take Friday off and I would end up like, um, uh, trying to get things done around the house and we still (laughs) have things to do around the house on Saturday and Sunday and it never ends. But, um, but that on the best weeks, it's when I can use the Friday to get a couple of a couple of things done. And then the Saturday is all that much better. Right. So, and that's sort of that day of preparation as well. So you have a day of preparation for the, for the Sabbath. So really I'm just advocating for like a four day work week is what I'm saying. But, (laughs) um, but I do like the idea as we're talking as well about when you think of the, the Christian liturgy, like the, uh, of a worship service. um, And at the very end, there's a benediction or sometimes like a commissioning. And, Mm -hmm. and it sometimes feels a bit weird now that I'm thinking about it is that we're here on Sunday, like for our church, we gathered on Sunday morning um, right now on YouTube, not, uh, (laughs) not in person, but, uh, but we're gathered in person on Sunday morning and I pronounce a benediction, which is often uh, also a commissioning where I'll say something like go out into the world um, and give them some sort of sending. Um, but it's sort of bizarre if if our day of rest is the is following the commi- so mm-hmm. I'm commissioning you I'm sending you out into the world but actually before you do that mm-hmm. make sure you practice the Sabbath day that actually would fit a lot better liturgically if everyone's already rested yeah. <laughs> right and then it's like oh now I'll send you into the world like yeah. we've no that's a really good point I mean and this is exactly I'm so thankful that you're saying that and that we're talking about this because this is the exact conversation that I've been hungry for like I think what what I'm you know you asked about sort of why do we do this in community? It's like, these things matter. Like, when are we going to, when are we going to rest? What is the sort of recommended time? I mean, I know it's, it's not the same, but it is the same. It's like, if we were all observing Lent at different times of the year, you know, sort of like what worked for, what works for me this year is to observe Lent in July, you know, like we would never do that. It just seems ridiculous. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, we, but yet we treat the Sabbath, with this kind of casual, like, you know, okay, now that said, I want to very, and we, I mean, I, in some ways I feel like we should have mentioned this much sooner in the conversation. Like there's a huge concern. And I write about this in the book that Sabbath keeping is at high risk of becoming elitist, that there's so many workers in our economy who can't afford a day of rest, who can't certainly don't have regular, you know, nine to five hours, Monday through Friday, who do shift work. So we really, really, really have to be concurrently talking about, you know, making the Sabbath available to all people. And, and so I do think that there's huge blessing and benefit in making it a movable feast, so to speak, as Barbara Brown Taylor noted in her writing. Um, I agree, but I think that also goes with what you're saying about, um, you know, we wouldn't do Lent in July. But at the same time, 
um, you know, most people uh, who say live near family or have friends nearby when they get to like Christmas, for instance, it's like, okay, well, Christmas is on a particular day, but also on Boxing Day, we're going to go see these family members and on Christmas Eve. And you work out like, how are we going to celebrate this Mm -hmm. holiday? And those practices are all over the map. It's not as though everyone's saying, well, you have to do this at this particular time, even though we sort of have a central uh, theme around the around the holiday, right? Um, so maybe Sabbath could operate a, in a in a similar way. That it's not to say that this is going to work every single week for you. Yes. It doesn't, and it's not going to work for every single person's life. But but it likely ought to be on the table for for the Judeo Christian uh, <laughs> folks, right? For Christians, this should be this should be actually a topic of conversation. Like there ought to be attention paid to well okay so if we can't do it in the prescribed way if there is a prescribed way if we can right. find that then how are we going to practice that as our our family or yes, our group right you nailed it i mean i think that's exactly right and that's I, i'm just tapping you know as we're talking about this this sort of insight it's like it's the intention that's what's missing yeah. me. that's what's missing for me it's like and i and i and i and i'm not sh- I, I mean again i have some theories for why this intention for Sabbath keeping is not coming out in a lot of mainstream Protestant denominations. Um, But I think you're exactly right. Like, again, looking at the analogy of Lent, nobody says, I mean, nobody today, you know, you say here's recommended Lenten practices or traditional Lenten practices or classic Lenten practices. Like you with your wisdom are going to discern how God is calling you to observe a Holy Lent this year, you know? So, so obviously there's room for, for spirit-led discretion and discernment. And so the same with Sabbath and also with family, with community is, you know, it's going to differ based on the season of life. So why isn't the same with Sabbath? But the thing is a lot of times it's like, it's, it's not, it's not on the radar. And I don't know if that's because again, there's a history of legalism with Sabbath keeping that people are bulking against. If it's because people are kind of compulsively ensnared in, in the busyness machine. Um, if it's both, you know, if it's other stuff, but, um, I do think that sort of having this conversation, uh, is really helpful right. to me at least. How, okay. Um, how much should preachers preach about the Sabbath? Give me a, <laughs> like one, like, well, I really love what you just said a minute ago, which is like, just unpacking the commission, you know, like yeah. you are sending, I didn't even think out. of that before. Right. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. you're sending people out into the world in peace. You know, that's what we say in my church. We send us out into the world in peace to strength. You know, what is the word it says, you know, with strength and goodness of heart to do your work. And so um, I butchered that a little bit, but you know what I mean? And yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's like we're, we're, we're being sent out to do vocational work, God's work. And so then, yeah, prior to that, I would say, preaching about how, what happened, the rest that is also a part of that. I think, again, preachers, I, I, again, you know better than me, I think worry that the Sabbath has kind of a, um, like a bad marketing uh, favor at this point or something. (laughs) So, um, I think it's, I think it's always hard to preach on something that you might not be practicing yourself as well. mm -hmm. Like that's, I think my own hesitation is it's hard to but probably we just need to admit like, oh, I really struggle with this. And so come with me as we try to wrestle with this. So I'm going to talk about this more than 
more than maybe you are hoping I'm going to talk about it, but I need to because I'm not really doing it either. Uh, like maybe that's needed or maybe some reflections on, you know, where has rest actually shown up for me and, and taking some deeper time to reflect on that and try to live that as pastors might be also, good. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, go for it. I mean, I wonder if it's, I was just reading Henry now and this morning and it's like the role of any spiritual practice, whether it's prayer or, or silence or rest is to help us to enter into a deeper relationship with God and to listen for God. Like how can we listen for God in our lives? If our lives are so noisy and so full and so hectic, there's, we can't listen for that still small voice. And so, you know, I, I think that's the question is like, why do we engage in any spiritual practice or spiritual discipline? You know, we, we, we do it because of, of that yearning to connect with the divine. And so not to say like, it's a means to an end, because I also think what I, I, you know, again, Matt, I think we talked about this the first time we talked, but as someone who was raised more in like a, anything goes spiritual culture, I'm actually really hungry for the discipline, not that I want rigidity or legalism. You know, again, I'm like anybody else. If my, if my rector said you have to do Lent this way, I would push back on that. And I, but I'm really hungry to be challenged. And I think we can't be challenged if we just do what feels easy or obvious, you know, that's, and that includes theologically. And so maybe if we can also spend a little bit of time talking about a little bit more about the why of the Sabbath, because I think that's actually been the most um, fruitful, one of the most fruitful parts of this to me too. Not just the how, like the when and what, but the why. Uh, maybe we should talk about that. I know um, in the book you talk about, you ended up deciding to take a year of Sabbath retreats. And I would love to know uh well, first, why did you decide to do that? Or how did you come to decide to do that? But also then, like, what did you learn about the why of Sabbath mm-hmm. through that? Yeah. So the so the, actually, that was largely also inspired by Dana Trent's book. Um, uh, She's Sabbath, so great. We'll just, people yes. people go, to, there are two books for you to get on Sabbath today. <laughs> so um, she writes about a, a pastor in North Carolina um, where she and I both live and um um, Reverend Fox, who does like monthly retreats and really spends that time, um, in, in silence and in prayer and abstaining from social media and, and, you know, talking to people. And it was really, um, I was, I was at a point in my life and my career when I was just tired and overloaded. And so, um, I had a young family and, um, yeah, so I decided to commit to 36 hour, taking a 36 hour retreat every month for a year. And um, it was really challenging. It was challenging logistically to make it happen, but it, but it was so rich and also very, I think, biblically based, you know, I didn't want to just do it from like a, again, sort of self-care mindset. I wanted to do it from a biblical and scriptural based, you know, basis. And so, um, that include, you know, of course, Jesus retreats to a lonely place, you know, he retreats Mm -hmm. to prayer and solitude regularly. So, so clearly it, it is, scripturally based and, and, um, and Jesus models that so beautifully for us. So, um, it was a quirky year. Like, you know, I did everything from ending up in a 12 by 12 cabin of a friend at a farm. I, um, spent 
a very surprising 24 or 36 hours in Paris. Um, I was supposed to be in West Africa for work and there was a terrorist um, threat. And so I had to go head back to the U.S. and I decided spontaneously to do an overnight in Paris, which is unusual. Um, you know, but then I also stayed at my friend's condo um, for, for 36 hours. So it was sort of, it was just, it was, it was quirky and fun. Um, and again, logistically challenging. There was one weekend when I just, one month I just didn't make it happen. Like I didn't plan ahead and suddenly the month was almost gone. So I called a girlfriend and said, can I come sit in your guest room for my retreat? And she said, and she didn't ask me any questions, which is still what, <laughs> and so I just went and like, I went to her guest room and I fell asleep within you know, within the first hour of being there and took, and took a long nap. So, so that was interesting. Um, yeah. And I can pause. I mean, I just, I, I think, um, the, the why of Sabbath that really intrigues me and challenges me. So again, I was raised in a much, in a pretty secular, um, sort of spiritual, but sec very secular home and community. And, um, from a really humanist lens, which I write about in the book, which was kind of this idea of like that human, that human integrity and intelligence are what's going to save the world. And so if we just work harder and smarter, we will, we'll get there. Um, and that's, you know, that's not what the Christian message teaches us. Of course, human beings participate in God's grace and God's healing of the world, but we are participants. Um, we're not the only people that we have to rely on as ourselves. So, really, as a new Christian convert, the theology of Sabbath is what challenges me over and over and over again to recommit to that kind of conversion journey or to be converted again and again, maybe is a better way of saying it. Because I'm so tempted to just say, the reason I rest is because I need to work really hard and everybody else does to save ourselves, to save the world. So we just kind of need to rest to sort of re, you know, refill our gas tank. And the theology of Sabbath teaches us something very different, which is to me radical and challenging and inspiring and hard. I don't know if that if that makes sense to you. Uh, it makes a ton of sense to me. Um, I wonder if we. Uh, I just, I I like our listeners to really get this because I think it's really prevalent, even in something I said earlier was we all know we need rest. <laughs> Right. Because, yeah. because we're, because we're tired. So we right. work hard and then we collapse and we think, oh, I just need to recharge for a bit. And right. you know, the coffee gives out eventually. And, <laughs> uh, and now I just need, I need some more fuel and we need rest so that we can keep working. But I, but I feel like what you're saying is, and I, and I, I've talked about this before too, in, in preaching or maybe on this podcast too, is that the Sabbath actually is, is something different. Um, I often want to think of the Sabbath as, um, like, I like the idea of it's the first day and the eighth day. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, um, it's, the, it's the start of something, not the, it's not reward for lots of work. And it's not the uh, energy fuel for the anticipation of more work. Like, I don't think it's just mm -hmm. this tool to be used to get us through our week kind of thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. Can you say yeah, a little more about it that it'll try to get at that idea? Well, what is it if it's not just sort of refueling us? Yeah. And again, I want to, I mean, I work in public health and so I just, I want to, I mean, there is obviously 
ample evidence that rest is good for our health, right? It's good for our mental oh, health yeah. and our physical health. So it's not an either or. And I think, you know, that's important too. But the way I sum it up, the way I summarize that sort of theology of Sabbath is that the Sabbath reminds me that I'm not, that we're not little gods, you yeah. know, that we, again, that we're not the engine that drives the world. Because if we are the engine that drives the world, of course, we have to keep the engine, you know, well-maintained. But instead, the Sabbath is really a time to just pause and to remember that the engine is is bigger than us and is full of grace, God's grace. And so that it's really a time to reconnect to that sort of, that that fundamental truth and that fundamental relationship. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of reminders in Sabbath keeping, right? Like you just end up being reminded that okay, the the world, God God is the one holding the world uh, and it doesn't collapse when you take 24 hours off. Um, yeah. It's it's That's really going to be okay. Humility. It's a humility, you know, it's a reminder of humility. Yeah. And also, I think... Maybe that's why we don't preach enough on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also just such a... It's, such, it's so refreshing to, to cease our striving. You know, I think, yeah. I don't know about you, but even in my relationship with God, I find that I'm like working at it and striving at it a lot. And so one thing I've read about and that I really appreciate about Sabbath is that you're also pausing of your like typical, I don't, I don't know. I I read this. I'm not sure everybody does this, but sort of that you're pausing from your typical um, spiritual practices. So if you have a daily Hmm. practice that you're doing like six days a week, you know, that maybe you would do something different or pause on the Sabbath. And that really also helps me too, because it makes me mindful of that kind of like, I don't know, strive again, striving element that sort of it, it kind of Im, is embodied in a lot of what I do. I really like that. I, I don't think I'd heard that before. Like pausing the, your spiritual practices for the day. Uh, I like that. Um, the other thing that um, I'd like to ask you about is uh, the connections that you explore between Sabbath keeping and economic and racial justice. And I know this is something you're really passionate about both in your work, but also in your life of faith. Um, So can you talk more about why are you talking about these things in a book about Sabbath? (laughs) They're deeply connected, actually. I mean, you know, we talked about sort of at the beginning of the podcast about like writing the book in the middle of the pandemic. And also I was writing the book in the middle of, you know, a huge reckoning with um, violent white supremacy in the United States. And um, so it was, I mean, I think it's been a topic that that a lot of us who who have thought a lot about racial justice have been engaging in in sort of deeper um, and different ways. So, for example, there's been a in my work in um, in in public health, there's been a really huge amount of discussion in the past year around decolonization. So, really looking at kind of the colonial roots of of global public health and starting to unpack some of those systems of, um, of, you know, how white, um, supremacy, um, and, and oppression are kind of part of sort of the DNA, (laughs) even of public health, you know? And so, um, I just think there's some really prophetic voices who are, so Trisha Hersey is the nap, she has the nap ministry. So she, you know, she talks about rest as resistance and sort of how we need to be thinking about, um, you know, the connections between capitalism and, and sort of use of bodies and, um, and, and then in contrast rest. So I think there's just a lot of powerful thinking and work being done in that space. And of course, Sabbath keeping, you know, we, again, we forget this, but like Sabbath keeping is again, like built into the DNA of economic, 
justice, at least in the United States, you know, around labor laws. And so I think as we grapple with things like um, minimum wage or, you know, just, again, really challenging issues around economic justice, kind of remembering that, you know, the title of the book is Reclaiming Rest. Like, how can we reclaim a Sabbath ethic and a Sabbath um, worldview that might inform our public policy as well? And, you know, in Exodus, Sabbath was available to all. It was intended, you know, for not just for for the elite. It was, you know, for for men, women, for animals, for for servants. I mean, it was so again, um, just this idea that actually Sabbath keeping is intended to be the great equalizer, um, the great, you know, a, as a place um, where we can all that we all should be able to access. So if we live in a culture that where people, some people can't access the Sabbath, that's a sign that something is deeply wrong and we have to like, you know, really be waking up to that too. So, I mean, that like, like many things, there's, there's a million ways to sort of think about rest and justice. Um, and I think that that's a really exciting piece of it too. I just, I really want to encourage your listeners and, and myself, you know, it's really tempting because a lot of us are tired to be thinking about Sabbath keeping as an individual spiritual practice. And, and to be frank with you, a lot of my motivation going into the writing of this book came from that place. Like, I'm tired. What do I do about it? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm stressed. How do I help, you know, how do I help, yeah. how do I help myself and then maybe help others? And really, as I was researching and writing and, and living the past, in the past year and a half, and my my editor at Broadleaf Books, who's publishing my books, was so helpful and challenging in this way. It was really to like push me on that and to really, again, not be just thinking about this as an individual practice, but as a deeply as a as an issue that is deeply actually related to to justice in many ways. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, the way the the biblical frame is done for Sabbath in um there's there's really like two main places where it's given as a law, right? Like, which I always think is kind of funny. It's like, well, it's actually the law uh, that you're supposed to follow. Um, and uh, so in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, um, and in one place, it's framed primarily as uh, the one that I think most people are kind of have in their heads, or at least most Christians will have in their heads as, you know, we remember, you know, God rested on the seventh day mm-hmm. and called it holy and so we should all rest the other place uh i believe it's in the deuteronomy text is is actually framed as remember you were slaves in egypt Mm. in other words you have to work seven days a week right as forced labor and so therefore now you have this gift of sabbath that you're to follow and it spells out all of the people that are supposed to have sabbath even down to the livestock like it doesn't even it it includes animals as well in the in the list of people who should have Sabbath, but it also includes if you have any slaves because it wasn't talking about prohibiting slavery at that point. Yeah. Um, if you have any slaves, and also the resident alien in your midst. So mm-hmm. if you have anybody who is a foreigner who is not one of your people who does not believe in your God, if they're within your household or in your town you're also telling them to rest as well. You're, and they were to enforce that, right? Which is really fascinating that actually there, it's actually framed from a place of remember what it was like for you to have to live this yeah. way. Now you have this gift and you're to pass this gift on to others and not force them into the life that you once lived. Yeah. Which is That's really a justice cool. imperative, right? Yeah, it's totally true. And um, I just love that. And I thank you for that, that summary. And um, when I was writing the book, I listened. So, um, 
a pastor, um, uh, Pastor Wesley, who's who ministers in um, out the Alexandria, Virginia area, gave a talk on Selah. Am I pronouncing that right? Mm. Uh, nobody and knows so, how to pronounce it, I don't think. So <laughs> probably the pause, you know, the pause that's yep. that's a lot of the Psalms. And so, and he says something so beautiful that just has stuck with me so deeply, which is like, what we cannot rest from, we are slaves to. Mm. And you know, as you were saying, remember that we, you were slaves in Egypt. And so this idea that like what we cannot rest from, we are slaves to. And so I think also as for those of us who are allies in the racial justice movement, you know, I think, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of writing and talking about white fragility and and white guilt. I think it's also like we, even as we struggle with our own culpability, um, you know, just to really say, like, we're all kind of in this embedded system of sin, and we need to rest, you know, because again, we're all kind of slaves to this sinful mess that we're all kind of in. And um, again, as he said, you know, what we can't rest from, we're slaves to. So that really, that really kind of, I don't know, sits in my heart. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I have, do you have more time? Because I have only like 14 more questions I want to ask you. But um, <laughs> what to you? You're, I mean, it seems like you and I could go all day, but I'm sure your poor listeners are also like, uh, I just wanted to say that, um, that chapter 11 has one of the best titles I've ever uh, read, which is challenging the fallacy of work-life balance, mm. reclaiming a 24 six schedule. I just thought that was a great title. So I just wanted to point that out to people. <laughs> Um, but I don't know if you want to say anything about work-life balance and, and why that's a fallacy. Maybe we've yeah, said enough. I, thank you. You've given me an entree. So I really do not like the phrase work-life balance. And of course, like, Neither it's, do I. <laughs> it's like ubiquitous, you know, and I, I, I find that I can't stop saying it at work because people know at least what you're kind of talking about. And there's no good, you know, like if I went around at work and said, why don't I, I'm really hoping to achieve work rest balance. I feel like I, I want to do that. Actually, I challenged the readers in the, I, I added a quick start guide to Sabbath keeping my, my um, friend, Kathy Izzard, who just wrote a beautiful book, um, The Last Ordinary Hours said, said to me, you need some like concrete guidance. So I added a quick start guide at the back. And one of those things is like I said, you know, try to start using the phrase worst work rest balance instead of work life balance. Um, yeah. So maybe it'll take the, take the world by storm. I didn't coin that. Like if you Google it, there's other people who are using that. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, the work, the work life balance framework, which again is so common, is being challenged and criticized by some people. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, criticisms that I read of it is like, why is like work in one category and our life in the other? I mean, like, I don't know about you, but my entire life is work, you know, like parenting is work going, you know, going to my day job is work, you know, errands are work, like it's all work, right? So why are we putting like acting like our day jobs and our non day jobs are, you know, it's all work. And that's fine. Marriage is work. And again, like we were just talking about, you know, our prayer, even our, our religious lives, our spiritual lives can sometimes have involve work. So it just isn't very helpful to kind of set it up that way. Um, And so that's why I personally like the kind of work rest dichotomy. Although, you know, I've been, I, I have a, a, a dear um, kind of wise mentor who said, you know, another way to just talk about it is how do we work sustainably? Um, and that's, again, 
you know, my linkage with the international public health world, our kind of um, global goals are um, coalesced around the sustainable development goals, which are the kind of United Nations um, goals, you know, kind of falling on the millennium, millennial development goals. And so I like that connection too, with like, how do we think about sustainability, not just from an ecological perspective, but from a, from a workforce perspective, from a healthcare workforce perspective, and then down to the individual level, Um, you know, that old phrase. And that gets back, I mean, full circle. That's why it's like not either or with the sort of theology or the kind of health and wellness. I mean, there is a Venn diagram of this, but again, I think also as um, kind of faithful Christians, we have to also be thinking about that sort of like, you know, our, our biggest source of restoration (laughs) and healing and grace, um, you know, comes from, comes from God. And so this is a day that we reconnect hopefully with that. I personally don't even love the word balanced. Um, so, (laughs) so I just, uh, I just feel like really is, is there a, is this something we can actually balance as though, um, so I, I, I don't remember where I heard it. It was a really long time ago. I heard someone kind of talk about uh, the difference between balanced life and centered life and that mm-hmm. we're called to have a life that's centered on Christ. Yes. Um, and if you look at Jesus' life, it, it actually doesn't look particularly balanced. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> off kilter all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that might look like that. But then it's also marked, Jesus' life is marked by those periods of retreat and rest um, yeah. as well. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a great a great title. Um, the last thing I really want to ask you about is just where, after all of the learning that you did and you went through, I know you're not necessarily practicing those monthly 36 hour, mm-hmm. uh, retreats anymore. Um, but where have you now landed on your own, uh, Sabbath practice and, and how do you then navigate that? Uh, like, what do you actually do, um, for yourself and how does that get navigated for you, for you, for your family, uh, and in community or how are you experiencing that in community now? Yeah. So I love this question. Thank you for asking it. And it's a great, it's a great way to end. So I am so, so, so happy to tell you that I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I don't, I guess I had to write this book to make it happen, but after struggling with my own Sabbath practice, wanting it, yearning for it, you know, I really feel now deeply cemented or deeply mm-hmm. at home in my weekly, in the cadence of my weekly Sabbath practice. And it's so awesome. It just feels like it is so deeply restorative. And so, you know, like there's this image a lot in, in especially in Judaism about the the Sabbath being the bride and, you know, like you're welcoming the bride in. And I, I suddenly like feel that way. Like, that every week it's like, I just start to feel the sense of like joyful arrival. And really, honestly, like it, it did take, um, working out some of the when and the how, like, so mm-hmm. I am now, um, observing the Sabbath on Saturdays and I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm doing that again for two reasons. One is, you know, you mentioned the your daughter and, and school. I mean, that is the other thing is I really, really wanted to observe Sabbath with, with my family and Dosh, Dosh Garnet, or how do you say it? Gosh, darn it. I, you know, I could not get my daughter to observe the Sabbath with me on Sundays. Like she just, she, she has homework to do, which is fine. And I would say to her, do your homework on Sunday, on Saturday so that we can do Sabbath together on Sunday. And she just wouldn't, she was tired from the week. You know, she yeah. couldn't like go to school all week, do her homework all week, and then do her homework on Saturday so that she could 
take Sundays off. And so, but she loves the, it's like natural to her to take Saturday as a day of rest. And so then now we're aligned. And so we take a Sabbath together. Um, and my husband who's a practicing Buddhist is more supportive of that as well. Um, yeah, so I take a Sabbath on Saturday, and that's been awesome. And then I really enter into Sunday, again, as the Lord's Day. I do worship on Sunday morning. And then I enter sort of, as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, kind of Sunday with kind of this resurrection mindset. And I love what you said earlier about the benediction as sort of like being sent into the world. So I try to especially send that, spend that half day on Sunday afternoon starting to do work again, but doing it with a different, with a different mindset. Um, so yeah. So, so like do you start, virtual high five. Thank you, you God. Do you start your, your practice Saturday morning? Um, yeah. So I, I, I start to kind of, um, enter into the Sabbath on Friday night. You know, I think I, I've, because again, I try to sort of slow down. The other thing I do, which maybe this is a bonus to your listeners. Like I, I shut down my computer. I put my computer in to the closet, my laptop. I have two monitors. I cover them both with cloths. Hmm. And um, what I do is I shut down my phone and I put it in a drawer. Um, and then usually what I'll do is I'll check my phone once during the Sabbath, like to make sure my mom hasn't texted me some, you know, <laughs> quote unquote emergency. We also have a landline phone. So if truly, if somebody had an emergency, they could call us. Um, but those kind of rituals um, have been really, have been really fun and helpful too. So that's really great. And then do you do anything to come out of that? Do you like, is the uncovering of the monitors like a, a do light a candle or something to celebrate? Or? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, honestly, I think worship on Sunday is the, is, is the, the bookend is to the that. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I mean, so great. It's a good question, but I think that that feels like, again, celebrating the Lord's day, the sort of little Easter, you know, um, Wow. Uh, Kate, where should people go to connect with you or, uh, and especially to get uh, your book? Not just this one. I think you've got at least two others as well that people can get. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I can say that, but Matt, I just want to say this has been such a rich, fun conversation. You are such a blessing to the, to me and to the world. And I just thank you so much. And this is a really awesome discussion. So my website is www.katerademacher.com. Um, Reclaiming Rest is being released by Broadleaf Books. It's um, it's out June twenty second and um, available from any bookseller. You can pre order it now, or you know, will be on sale starting then. Um, yeah, and I just would really, I think I'm also re- would really love to hear how pe- how it's going for people. So people can also on my website katerodemacher.com, like send me a note, like how how are you reclaiming rest? How's it going? What's your questions? Um, so I'm really I'm really passionate about this topic as you can t- as you can tell. <laughs> um, so happy to hear people's stories. And again, Matt, just really want to thank you so much. Oh, thanks for being such a great guest. Yeah, really fun. All right. Blessings in your Sabbath and in your work. Can you so blessings in your rest and Sabbath and, and work that really, really, um, and to your listeners as well. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found that helpful and inspiring to maybe look at your own Sabbath practice and how you find moments of rest in your life. Again, if you want to check out Kate's book. I highly recommend it. It's such a great book on Sabbath practice called Reclaiming Rest. So go and search that out. And if you're interested in my writing around uh, Let God Send is the latest book, but there's two others that came before it, Let God Be God and Let God Be Present. 
And uh, but if you go to letgodsend.com, you can find out uh, you know how to get the ebook, the audiobook, uh, the hardcover, the paperback, uh, and also we have a leader guide. So if you want to do it as a study in a group, uh, you can go and check it out there. So go to letgodsend.com and. As always, uh, thank you so much for listening. This is the 100th episode, like I said at the beginning, and uh, what a great conversation we were able to have for the 100th. Um, Thank you to Kate for being the guest on this milestone episode for me. I really appreciated having her on the show today. And thank you for being a faithful listener of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. Take care.